hoop world. My name is Tuck Clary. I represent Slipper Soul Fits and Busting Brackets. And joining me, the co-host, the expert on all things hoops. It is Austin King. How's it going, bro? Tucker, Tucker, what's up, baby? Oh, you know, we're just we we watched a lot of basketball the last couple of days. A lot, like finally with conference play, we're seeing some top level. NBA prospect talent go up against some higher competition. Uh, I know that you and I, we did a playback. You can catch our playbacks every week. Find us on Twitter. We'll post a link on there, but we did a playback of Arkansas versus Auburn because we wanted to see what Anthony black looks like against a really tough, really stifling uh, suffocating defense. And I, I have some takeaways, and I'm sure you do too. We're also going to talk about Nick Smith, other Arkansas uh, NBA hopeful Jordan Walsh, and kind of check in on where we are with Trevin Brazil after he suffered his ACL injury earlier in the season. But a lot to take away from the matchups this weekend, and we'll, we'll do more coverage of other guys that have played throughout. But let's focus on the Razorbacks. This was a team... With three five stars, uh, most notably Eric Musselman. Once those three guys committed, posted a photo of Burger Boys, three Burger Boys, uh, three McDonald's burgers, but like they weren't Big Macs, they weren't quarter pounders, they were like those buy one, get another one for a dollar. McShovel, Tuck. I know you're, I know you probably don't eat it mcdonald's ever but yeah there's nothing vegan at mcdonald's by the way like their french fries aren't even vegan really like you can't even go and get like a mcdonald's breakfast and get like the hash browns like i could maybe eat the hash brown and only the hash brown yum wait what what are the fries cooked in the fries have like some sort of like animal fat oh really or whatever yeah i yeah, thought they didn't i thought they didn't cook with duck fat anymore i thought that was it's a like way. a different kind of animal fat sick yeah right. yeah which is why for you is yeah. there any fast food place that you can really do full vegan i guess they've got the impossible burgers and stuff like that yeah carl's jr for a while that i haven't checked back in uh don't really like burgers that much when unless it's like made at home or made at like a sit-down place like all right i mean that's just you bro yeah, it's just me. Just me. But let's talk about these burger boys. Like, okay, so we came in to the season thinking that Eric Musselman was going to have three one-and-done five stars. Yes. Do we think do we think there's still that there's still a chance of that or that it's gonna just be two? I would lean towards just two and anthony black and nick smith jordan walsh i mean at least on the level of like is he going to be a first round guy jordan walsh has not been that at all um jordan walsh is a project offensively uh his jumper is rough decision making isn't really there he doesn't really have the handle he's not moving off ball well enough like he's he's just not there at all and it's definitely a project but you can at least see the physical tools and the energy and effort Mm -hmm. that make you think okay he still has the potential to be an nba guy but he's got a lot of developmental work before 
he's considered a first round pick. What, but we, what, saw, we saw last year with Peyton Watson, who didn't even play at UCLA basically and still ended up being a first round guy. Yeah. What is it about? What are you? Is it the. Th- is it the shot making that that's missing in Jordan's game that you think needs to develop? Is it, um, is it like fluidity in the offense? I think it's literally anything. Like, what is name one thing that you're like, man? Jordan Walsh is really good. This is a pro ready part of his game offensively. It doesn't exist. Um, it's not there on like. The shooting level, it's not there as a passer or a short roller. Um, it's not like, oh, you know what? He's an amazing screen setter and he's someone that can like rim run for you. It's like, not really. Is he great in transition? You know, outside of, you know, running through the lanes and, you know, finishing a wide open dunk. Like, there's just not that much there for Jordan Walsh. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely lower on him than I think I, I was assuming I was going to be coming into the year. Um I don't know where you kind of had him. I think by most people they had him as like maybe a late late like teens, early twenties guy coming yeah. in. Yeah, I had and him just I had him like seventeen just outside of the lottery and uh with the possibility of going higher or dropping lower depending on his usage yeah. depending what he shows I, I he's like an effective shooter he's, he's yeah he's got an effective field goal percentage of 51.6 percent um it's the three-point shots not there and he doesn't take a lot of them either he's it's no. not like he has the size he's, he's shooting 25 percent from three right shooting now 25 percent from three and he still has to put on weight to make the rest of his game really make sense uh, for for what kind of style he plays with uh, in terms mm-hmm. of like attacking the basket. Yep. Um, He's one of those guys too that, you know, we, we come up against this a lot in college basketball where it's like, okay, is he really in a situation where we can give like a proper evaluation of how good this guy is when it comes to the offense? Because Arkansas literally just doesn't have shooting and spacing. Uh, on the playback last night, we were discussing with one of our friends, kind of like, is Musselman really a good coach? Like, does he run good stuff? And as I was going back and we did a video breakdown on Nick Smith, I was actually, I came away impressed by the kind of stuff that Musselman was running. Um, as I did a deeper dive, I was like, okay, there's some real nba style actions that they're running like uh, they're running you know multiple things out of a horn set they're running floppy action um they're running lots of high pick and roll dribble handoff stuff like they are in a lot of ways running an nba offense but it's in a condensed space with no shooting at all so it makes it very hard for a guy that's not a shooter that's more of a straight line driver or as that second action guy getting the ball on the swing and then attacking the closeout when a guy doesn't need to close out to him hard and he doesn't need to cover a ton of space to get to you because you don't have to rotate around a bunch to get to shooters. So 
that's where it's it's hard to evaluate Jordan Walsh um, on the offensive level to some degree. But from what we've seen, it's not there. Um, and he's a project, undoubtedly. Which is interesting, too, because you would have thought with Anthony Black being, like, such a good shifty, uh, like, dribbler to the basket, being the kind of passer that he is, he has great court vision. He's really good at making, like, split-second decisions while incredibly quick or fast, really good at getting to the basket, not letting – getting to his spot, not getting def- – deterred from it that you would have thought Jordan Walsh would be able to rib run with that in the pick and roll and and be able to do, do some action there, but that largely hasn't happened. 40% of his shots are at the rim. Um, And to speak to that spacing, Anthony black is the best three point shooter on the team currently. And he's a 32.6% shooter from outside. So yeah, it's, it's not good. If you were, if you watched, if you watched that, Auburn Arkansas game Bruce Pearl and Auburn were just begging those guys to shoot threes and they, and they switched into zone for large yeah. parts portions of that game because they were like well we're not going to necessarily be able to stick with them athletically but we'll make them shoot but we're just not going to let you get to the basket you get some offensive rebounds against us all right whatever but we're just going to make you shoot over the top of our zone mm-hmm. yeah and it's clear that there's two pl- there's two players currently out for Arkansas that would have been incredibly impactful for that spacing and perimeter shooting. That is the other five-star guard, Nick Smith, who we'll get to. And then 6'10", sophomore Trevon Brazil, he, he came in from Missouri and... I thought that he was going to legitimately be there's always in this, these draft classes, one guy who is a a second year player who, who didn't really impress his freshman year. And then just things start clicking for him. And all of a sudden he's there. I thought that Trevor Brazil was going to be that guy. I really think he was going to be like where we were looking at the flashy five stars. I thought Arkansas could make a tournament run because of Trevon's impact. He tore his ACL early in the season, only played nine games. What? But he was legitimately very good in those games. Oh, he was fantastic. 38% three-point shooter. He got an absurd amount of rebounds. He was just a rebounding machine. He was shooting 73% at the rim. About 43% 43 of his shots were at the rim, too, so... He was like kind of the NBA dream, long, lengthy athlete. I mean, basically what you saw Noah Clowney do against Kentucky and what he provided is very similar to what Brazil was going to provide Arkansas. And he's really their only guy with size like and real rim protection on that roster Um, because, you know, Mitchell is definitely more of a ground bound guy. Yeah, exactly. And like uh he really anchored the Mitchell twins and really helped Jordan Walsh continue to play more of that wing position rather than having to play big. And yep. with without him, it's just it's, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. To say it's, the really, least. it's really tough. And he also draws out that five man to have to play defense on the perimeter. 
And so it would have just spaced things out for Arkansas even more. Even if it, they don't aren't filled with a bunch of elite shooters, having a five-man that stretches the floor just pulls out that rim protector a little bit um, and allows for you to have more space to operate. Um, and that's And that's something that, again, when it comes to evaluating Anthony Black or it comes to uh, evaluating Nick Smith is an issue. Like when we get to Nick Smith, can he get to the rim? That's a real question that I have. Um, You know, he only took in the six games that he played, he only took 20% of his shots at the rim. He's going to his floater over and over and over again. And the question is, is he, when he gets to the rim, he's pretty good finisher. But can he do it? Can he get there? Yeah. Um, it's a great question. I mean, Nick Smith, he, he's been dealing with knee issues. Um, a very closeted or, or closed off interpretation of whatever he's going through. There's not a lot of, you know, clear, decisive language coming from the Arkansas camp, coming from Nick Smith's camp. No, no. Um, a lot of people are speculating that he's just going to sit out the rest of the year, get healthy for the draft, and, and take his lumps that way. But Arkansas and Arkansas's camp, like off the record, is kind of speaking to – I know they spoke to Jeff Goodman and other reporters basically suggesting that Nick Smith's not playing the rest of January. We're hoping he's going to play in February. Yeah, we'll see. It is a little weird. Like, it's not the same as the Shaden Sharp situation no. last year or, like, Michael Porter Jr. necessarily. I mean, maybe it could be closer to Michael Porter Jr., but, like, Shaden wasn't from Kentucky. He reclassed but was probably never going to play for Kentucky last year and didn't and then was able to get cleared to go to the NBA draft. Nick Smith is from Arkansas. Like, mm-hmm. he chose to stay home for like his university. And so I think there's got to be a little bit of like, Hey, I got to manage things for the NBA, but if I can go, you know, I'm still holding out a little bit of hope that he can legitimately go um, and that he does want to play for Arkansas because him being on that roster makes me think that Arkansas could make a final four without Nick Smith. They're a team that maybe makes it to the Sweet 16. Yeah, I don't even know if they can make the Sweet 16, frankly, looking at looking at this roster. I mean, Yeah, it's tough. It's tough because the offense is just so hit or miss. The defense is great, but the offense is really, really rough. Because, like, legitimately, it's, it's funny because Anthony Black, we'll get to Anthony Black in a little bit, but Anthony Black kind of hit a wall. After they came back from Malibu in the Malibu tournament. Um, and a lot of people were saying it's like some sort of like uh, uh, just the magic of Hawaii was was gifting him this ability to be a, a star. No, it was, I think it was legitimately Trevon Brazil. I think having Brazil yeah. out there spacing made Anthony Black's ability to cut to, to go to basically just dribble drive uh, with, with space and just having to take on one man and just being long enough mm-hmm. to say, no, no, you're not going to like impede my, my attack to the basket. That's gone. And I don't know where the help is. Um, it's they- not coming. 
I don't think it's coming. It's not coming. Unless Nick Smith comes back and is everything that we saw in, like, the Oklahoma game, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, Real quick with Chabron Brazil, do you think that there is any chance – the injury happened back far enough. It was the beginning of December. Timeline-wise, it seems really, really soon to, like, try and go to the combine, try and – try and do everything you can to, to make it to this draft class. Yeah, I have a hard time imagining that's going to happen. And, like, his really only draftable tape is not from, you know, his freshman season, but from this year. And yeah. you're talking about, like, what, eight nine, games? Maybe? Nine games, yeah. Eight, nine yeah. games. Like, for a guy that was, like, looking to be, like, a massive fast riser that wasn't on draft boards – you know, maybe some smart team goes, hey, we're going to draft off of that and we're just going to bet on our development system. You know, maybe the Raptors are like, hey, we're going to take you in the second round. But if he really wants to be like a first round guy and develop, then I, I think his best bet is to rehab, go back to school, have a full season um, and go that route and improve his draft stock because – you know, is there a world where next season Trevon Brazil is like a top 20 pick? I yeah, think so. I, yeah. I think so. Yeah, like I, I think he could be anywhere from like the back half of the lottery to early 20s if he comes back and plays at the level that he played for those first nine games. I, I totally think that's possible for him. Uh, but if it's just off of these first nine games and then an ACL surgery – Man, I I have a hard time imagining that a lot of teams are are gonna take a chance on that. So, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Ken Palm's comp for Trevon Brazil this season was uh, Killian Tilly. That's extremely interesting. I I mean, I'm a huge Killian Tilly fan. So, yeah. if you can be comp to him and like, I mean, another guy with injury issues, but. Right. I think if Killian Tilly didn't have injury issues, he's like a rotation piece in the NBA right now. I think if Killian Tilly didn't have those injuries, he has a longer, more successful NBA career than Zach Collins. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Because he was a really underrated rim protector and no. a much, like a real true shooter, like a really good shooter. Yeah, he was he was in Fuego during that that conference tournament. I remember that. Oh yeah, um, yeah, totally. So let's get to these guards. Anti Black, six foot seven freshman from the good old state of Texas, where if correct me if I'm wrong, Austin, but you believe that's the best uh, talent pool in all of the country at this I, point. I do, I do, I do. Played at Duncanville, which. Up until what a week and a half ago was the number one team in the country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out, yeah. shout out, Westland. Uh, shout out. We speak your name. Uh, <laughs> I have Stad. We speak your name. In in our preliminary, and we're gonna these boards are shifting, folks. So we'll we'll get back from that first episode where we were talking about our our first half of the lottery draft yeah. board. He's already uh, moved for me, by the way, and it wasn't up. Yeah, wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I haven't moved him from the Auburn game, but I'm starting to. I have Anthony Black currently 12th on my big board, which 
Get out of my head. Well, I have them at 11, but. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's really hard for me to move. I, I wasn't as high Anthony Black going into this week as you were. I believe that you had him higher. Um, but I, it's, it's really tough. Uh, considering the names that I have behind him, I have Jet Howard, Grady Dick, Terquavian Smith, uh, right behind him. I might move Grady up a little bit, but I kind of don't know. I want to just uh, it just depends on what you value. I think the ceiling of Anthony Black is higher, but what yeah. Grady Dick, what Grady Dick does is just always going to be valuable. It's going to be incredibly useful. I mean, yeah, uh, I'd like to see him like attack the basket more. Uh, but this isn't about Grady Dick, so sorry about that. Anthony Black, I'm at 12. You have him at 11. Is he going to stay there? Do you where do where are you on Anthony Black? I I have a hard time imagining him falling any lower than 11 for me. Yeah. Uh, right now, after you know, even though Kentucky got smoked and Kaysen didn't have a great game, the more than I've just kind of watched the film and dug into the numbers i'm fairly comfortable putting case and wallace ahead of him for a number of reasons uh i think that Kaysen is just like a clearly better shooter he's been a much better shooter than i expected coming into this year i believe he's shooting about 45 percent on fairly high volume uh and he's in an equally disastrous offensive situation in kentucky as anthony black is and -hmm. is still thriving um, I think he's shown that he can be the primary ball handler or the secondary guy um, as that two guard. And I think he can get to the rim and finish really well. I mean, I think he's shooting like 80% at the rim right now. Um, so, and I think he's a better defender. The only thing that Anthony Black has on Kaysen Wallace is just height. But outside of that, I think Kaysen is just pretty clearly proven to be a better player and prospect right now. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. Uh, I feel like Anthony Black, uh, because of how quickly how quickly the, his junior year in high school he rose up in rankings and notoriety. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. fluid, twitchy, really good, really good instincts. Uh, cerebral player in terms of like knowing knowing like co- where where to look down court, knowing yeah. knowing how it's to look for his guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he rise so rose so quickly that I feel like a lot of people are, are just thinking that that exponential growth is just going to be a continual thing and that he's going to continue progressing and advancing every facet of his game when that's just realistically not how this works. And I'm not, no. I'm very confused. Progress is not linear, Tuck. Progress is, is not linear. Progress is not linear. I'm just confused. Like where do you see his offensive game progressing at the next level? Like, do you ever do you? He's he's a seventy two percent free throw shooter. That's not terrible. So it's not like you can hold out that he's not going to be a consistently like thirty three to thirty five percent three point shooter. Yeah. So I think that he can become a capable catch and shoot guy, which he's not really able to do at Arkansas. No. Um, most of his jumpers are going to be like off the dribble. Let me look. He's got 20% of his two point jumpers were assisted. Okay. Um, so less than 80% of his threes are assisted. Yeah. So it's like he's shooting a lot off the bounce. 
which is just you're always going to have a lower percentage. So I think he'll be more of a catch-and-shoot guy, and I think he'll be capable. But because of his mechanics, it's really hard to see him being like an elite or even a good off-the-bounce dribble guy, which limits you as a pick-and-roll player. Um, so that's where I have a little bit of hesitation uh, with him as like a primary guy. Uh, because how many of the guys that are in the NBA right now that are primary ball handlers are genuinely incapable of shooting at a decent level off the bounce, unless you're John Morant and you're just a freak, but he's gotten better at that, you know, like he's not completely incapable of shooting off the bounce threes. Right. Uh, I, I think I've told you my comp for him. My comp for Anthony Black right now is Lonzo Ball. Yeah. I don't, I don't hate that. Lonzo Ball, though, I think is a better passer, more creative passer. I don't disagree with that. I think, like, the idea is, like, people people envision that court vision to, to turn into this, like, absurd passer that Lonzo is, which yeah. I don't think he'll be. But just in that archetype of, uh, like, inside-out <laughs> inside scoring, uh, inside-out facilitating, kind of yep. kind of action which is like yep. and there's value to his playmaking but being a connector too like i think he's more than capable of playing both of those roles when needed do you think he gets played on ball at the next level like do you think he's a point guard at the next I level? so I, no i don't i mean but like his usage is crazy like in the auburn game guess what his usage was i'm gonna go over under 33%. What did you think it was? I was going to say 28%. 39%. Jesus. That is what happens when you do not have Nick Smith out there. But 39% is like Luka Doncic numbers. Yeah, that's you know? centric, baby. Like, Yeah, I mean, and he's not that guy. And so that's where it's like, man, it's really hard that you're asking him to play, you know, crazy minutes. Uh, you know, he's had games against Missouri. He played all 40 against LSU. He played all 40 against Bradley. He played 38. Like he has against Troy. He played as a freshman. 40. That's wild. He played 38 against Creighton. Like he's playing heavy minutes. He's literally number one in the SCC right now in minutes played. That's, that's, that's wild. crazy. Yeah. Like Musselman is just riding Anthony black as much as possible. Which is like, uh, what's his alternative, you know? like. Yeah. Uh. So I will say on the flip side, as much as we've been pessimistic of him as an on-ball guy, one thing that he's extremely good at and will help a little bit with his lack of three-point shooting is that he's very, very, very good at getting to the line. Um, yeah. And that game against Auburn, he had 16 free throws. Currently, he's uh number 66 in the country in free throw rate uh he had you know a game against bradley where he got to the line 11 times against san diego state he got to the line 10 times like he's a guy that will get to the rim and get fouled at a pretty high rate speaking speaking to this do you know what his free throw attempt to field goal attempt is almost 60 percent wow that's, that's crazy for for a guy with that much usage for a guy that's taking the second most shots on that team uh, after Ricky Council that's 
that's a dude that can get to the stripe yeah and so that's something that you got to consider too is that he's capable more than capable of getting to the line yeah and i think our pessimism is is mostly about his ceiling because i yeah. i think he i think he has a high floor legitimately i think yeah, i think yeah, that yeah. he will be super useful as a connector in this league i think he'll be super useful as an off off ball guard that is able to to help create I, yeah I could he be like could he be a josh hart in the league which is super valuable like one comp that I had was like, is he six seven Jalen Suggs? Where it's like, man, you really don't want Jalen being your like pure point guard, right? Uh, decision maker. But if you just let him do shit and wreck shit on, I don't think he's as good a perimeter defender to be clear. Yeah. But like the issue and things that hold Jalen back are the shooting and he dribbles in front of his body a lot and he yeah. doesn't have Middle. a lot of side to side action and, and like. Anthony doesn't have a great handle, um, and maybe that can the tightness can develop with time. But I don't really see him developing like point guard, point guard level handle. Yeah, and like I think he really needs to like develop a not mid range, but like a floater. He doesn't really have a floater. He doesn't have yeah. a lot of tools in his bag other than getting to the rim layup or dunk and yeah i think i think him developing that will be the key to like progress to a higher level talent that would be reciprocal of where some people have him in the draft it's it's clear that arkansas is is almost has a hand tied behind their back in terms of battling the season in the sec and especially uh, going into yeah. get it going into the tournament like this is a team that many had finishing first or second in the conference i think optimistically yeah. best is third or fourth you uh, know what it kind of feels like tuck and this just popped in my head it kind of feels like houston last year where mm. it's like damn if they if if sasser doesn't get injured which is like nick smith and like trevon mark doesn't get injured like that team could have won the national championship last year. And that's sure. kind of what it feels like with Arkansas, where it's like, man, if Brazil and Nick Smith are fully healthy, they get a full season together. That's like a, a national championship team. Easily. Easily. Yeah. I, 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 and I was I, skeptical coming into the season about Arkansas. I, my mind. I was skeptical too. And then, and then the more and more I'm like, yeah, this seems going to be terrifying in March. Like, yeah, it, I didn't think they were, I didn't think they were a top five team in like November, December, but I was like, you see, you see the vision. Like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, so with that being said, and considering that where Nick Smith is going to possibly sit out the rest of the season, work on himself. Anthony Black is probably going to have to take the other route and and just improve his game through reps. And for like, every partner that's doing self care, there's the other partner that has to carry the weight. Tuck, you know. Oh uh, yeah. No relationship is equal. Uh, <laughs> no, it is not. Equality is a lie. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you hope to see from Anthony Black the rest of the way? Um, so again, I think the three point shooting is going to be important, but I feel like we can always say that about any prospect, basically not named Grady Dick. Um, so, you know, <laughs> one, one thing that I would like to see is 
you know, him become not necessarily a better decision maker, because I think for the most part, he does make the right decision. Agreed. It's execution of those decisions where it's a lot of errant passes. It's it's just like, uh, that's just not quite there. Um, and you'll see that in his efficiency and the three uh, SEC games, which is, you know, of course, a very physical conference. Um, full of athletes uh, against LSU. He had a 90 offensive rating, only scored seven points. And against Missouri, had an 80 offensive rating and only scored six points. Against Auburn, he played much better. Most of his points came at the line. 13 of the 23 came at the line. Um, so I would like to see him be a little bit more of an efficient scorer, not at the free throw line. Uh, he did have 114 offensive rating in that game. So uh, what I'd like to see from him is just a little bit cleaner execution. Uh, maybe we see Ricky Council be on ball a little bit more um, and see what Anthony can do off ball and just be a little bit of, better of a execution guy when it comes to his passing. This Obviously, this is going to be a potentially great way for him to progress as a player because he's going to have an absurd amount of reps, you know, on yeah. ball, yeah, uh, which is totally. which is something that he wanted. This is like part of the reason he chose Arkansas, not Gonzaga, or 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 other schools. Um, totally, like TCU. Uh, but does it worry you how much of a load he's going to have to bear the rest of the way? I'm just thinking like. Is there a point where so much opportunity becomes a burden and, and can like hurt progression? I mean, I'm just thinking about like, like it's Anthony black potentially. I don't think so with Ricky council on the team, uh, but like ha having to be like basically this year's version of uh, a, a beautiful chucker and JD note. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's as much of a chucker as Note. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not a chucker. I just mean like, yeah, yeah. I mean, JD is no, I get was, it. JD was thirty percent of the uses last season. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good question. So, yes and no. Uh, I think those on-ball reps will be helpful, um, especially in the pick and roll. Um, it will just help him. The more and more that you see it the quicker you're able to diagnose the defense and make the right decision. The issue is that I don't think that he's going to get the chance to be a primary ball handler, like the number one offensive option on a team. And learning how to play off ball is important. It's not something that a lot of players are used to when they were the best players on their team growing up. And they don't learn the nuances of moving without the basketball. And that will hurt him a little bit, is that he's not going to be able to play the role that he's going to play in the NBA. Um, but I don't think it's disastrous by any means. I think it's fine. I don't think it's necessarily going to hurt him. Uh, but he's going to need to be prepared for that mentality switch when he gets into the league. That's for sure. And this is why I hope Nick Smith comes back, man. Uh, okay, so just looking uh, right now. Um, okay, so Anthony Black's 
usage throughout the season is roughly 21%. Yep. Uh, as you mentioned, his usage was 30, you said 38, 39, 39, 39. 39%. Oh boy. Um, all right, so here, here is Anthony Black's usage when Nick Smith was on the court. Nick Smith against Bradley, 26% usage. Anthony Black, 20% usage. Against Oklahoma, Anthony Black, 16% usage. Uh, Nick Smith, 32% usage. Against UNC Greensboro, Nick Smith, 26% usage. Anthony Black, 15% usage. Against San Jose State, Nick Smith, 31% usage. Anthony Black, 15% usage. It's just clear that in an ideal setting, Eric Musselman doesn't want Anthony Black to do as much as he's having to do. And I think that that's a clear sign that maybe we should pump the brakes on Anthony Black being more LaMelo ball than Lonzo ball. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 100%. I'm with you 100% here. All right, should we have a little tankathon fun here, Tuck? Yeah, let's do it. Where where do we want Anthony Black to go? If he's going to go, most people have around six or seven to, uh, I think we're frankly a couple of the lowest guys on him having him 11 yeah, or 12. Yeah, I think so. I think so. so. Um, so- all right, I'm, I'm firing up the lottery right now. I'm going to sim it real quick. All right, congrats to Houston on Victor Wembanyama. Congrats to Charlotte on Scoot Henderson. All right, at number seven, I, I'd say that's the highest he's going to go, is Toronto. Which, God, Toronto. I mean, they're going to fall for it. They're going to um, absolutely fall for it. Yeah, Toronto, Oklahoma City, Atlanta, Utah, Orlando, New Orleans, Utah again, and then Portland. Tuck, out of those teams – what is the team that excites you the most and thinks is the best opportunity for Anthony Black? We can do process of elimination too. I don't think that New Orleans necessarily makes a ton of sense for him. It doesn't make sense at all. And I don't think Orlando makes much sense for him. Orlando would be the worst. I was thinking about the worst place for him to go. Orlando would be by far to me the Horrible. worst place for him to go. I would really Outside of Houston. Outside him. of Houston. Houston's the worst place for anyone to go right now, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, unless they get Victor. That or Charlotte. Is, yeah. Which yeah. is fitting that they got the number one and two picks in this. Yeah, yeah. Simulation. But I really, I really think Orlando play. Like, what would you do? Would you just keep Jalen Suggs? It would just be horrible. Just don't do it, Orlando. Just don't even think about it. Um, I actually really like him with Utah. I yeah. think him and Colin Sexton would be really fun together. Um, if and it's just like, what do they want to, what does Utah want to be? Like, we really don't know. And we're not going to know for probably another couple of months in this decision with like Jordan Clarkson is going through potential contract negotiations. What are they going to do with Malik Beasley? Like, yeah. there's a lot of decisions that Utah has to make where it's like, all right, are you guys going to, you know, hit, hit the tank button? Uh, are you going to trade off all your assets and see what? Where's you can the do? finisher going? Where's the yeah. finisher going? Where's Larry? Yeah. Is Larry sticking around? What are you going to do with Kelly? Oh, like there's a lot of decisions there, but 
I think Anthony and that, like with their current roster or just if they go fairly blank slate and just build around Laurie and Colin Sexton. No, that's a that's that a really good tandem for Anthony Blair. Yeah. Yeah, yep. you have you have Sexton's ability to get downhill, uh, to push the pace, and then yep. you have you have Laurie stretching, like yep. Anthony Black cutting baseline would be a monster with Laurie on the perimeter. Yeah, totally, totally, and and we've seen that that coaching staff has done a phenomenal job on the offensive end. I think they're number two or number three in offensive efficiency this season with. You know, outside. I mean, is there a casual fan? Could they name a single player on Utah's team? Like, I'm not sure that they could. But I went and talked to my dad. I don't think he'd be like, "Yeah, I love Larry Markkinen's game." You know? Yeah. I don't yeah. think he is. Thinking back, actually, like, I mean, it's not going to happen because the Rockets are going to have too high of a draft pick, but. Considering how uh, how many shots are being taken, how little the ball is moving in Houston, AB could be pretty good there. Yeah, I just don't wish the Houston situation on basically. No, 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 I don't no. wish. I don't wish Steven Stylus and Jalen Green and Kevin Porter on my worst enemies. <laughs> you know, I just wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, Steven Stylus. I think we can pretty clearly say is just not the guy for Houston. They will be finding somebody else next year. Yeah, yeah. Um Steven Silas is uh is a connector himself. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah. So yeah, I what do you think I I think maybe Atlanta I don't know what Atlanta's doing. That's the issue. But who knows what Atlanta's doing? Atlanta's, Atlanta's picking Dariq Whitehead. Oh uh, you know, Atlanta's picking uh, Atlanta's picking Dariq Whitehead or Kyle Filipowski. Phil, Phil, uh, yeah. Uh, Maybe they take Tyrese Proctor with the ninth pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a yeah, new I guy. I feel like I mean, nobody has him as a top first-round pick. Yeah. We, we got to talk about Duke sometime. Yeah. Um, that, think, would, that would require me having to watch Duke basketball, which I've really tried to avoid at all costs this year. This is going to sound like a dumb question, but do you need another ball handler when you have Trey Young and DeJounte Murray? Not like it doesn't. It doesn't hurt to have ball handling, obviously. No, shooting matters more there. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I'm questioning that. I think there – I think at – the like three position they'd be more they would want to continue seeing what they get out of AJ Griffin before yeah really trying to reset that that spot uh, yeah. especially with DeAndre Hunter there too yeah Oklahoma, I, I think Oklahoma City maybe but maybe. but you already have Giddy and you already have Giddy yeah. and Shay and you don't Giddy Giddy's probably the best connector that you could probably get right yeah i don't think the Anthony defense Black is already be. nasty for them too like, yeah i don't i don't really see the need there um toronto loves their long wings though bro scotty barnes and scotty anthony, barnes anthony, anthony black, black doing, and og just scotty, scotty barnes and anthony black doing the spider-man pointing meme about yeah. just like what they're able to do on offense yeah so i i think the probably the best fit for him is is going to be utah 
Um, should we move on to Mr. Smith? Yes, let's talk about Nick Smith. Um, where do you where do you have him, Tuck, right now on your big board? I have so I have Anthony Black as my sixth guard in the draft, and then I have I have Nick Smith as my fourth guard in the draft. I have him eighth behind Keontae George. Okay. Okay. And I think he could play himself up, obviously, if he's if he comes back. It's just, you know, this is not breaking news, but knee issues are, are kind of concerning. Uh, don't love that. Uh, don't love knee issues that are like, it sounds like he does want to play, but it also sounds like he should shut yeah. it down. Yeah. I think that Nick Smith could very well end up being one of the five best players of this draft class. It, uh, yeah, undoubtedly. Um, what what intrigues you so much about Nick Smith as a player? I love I love his ability to cut. I love his ability to attack the basket. Yes. I love his ability to score at three levels. I love his ability. His floater game is nice, which is like pretty rare for somebody his age. Somebody, somebody that's a freshman. Um, he's he's committed on defense. He's a two way player, that's for sure. Um, I think I think that like I know that he's only a thirty percent shooter, but he only played really five games, so I don't know really. Yeah, I don't think you can judge his his three-point percentage and be like, yep, that's what he is. Yeah, I'm with that. Uh, So, I just just think that Nick has the potential to be a great combo guard with a high floor staying healthy and then has a ceiling to be top 10 guards in the NBA. Yeah, what I really like about him is that he's an extremely versatile player. Like, Mm -hmm. you can ask him to run high pick and roll and run wing DHOs and uh, have him be that primary decision maker and ball handler, and I think he'll be okay there. I don't think that's where he shines, but he's, like, more than capable of it. He has a great handle um, you know, he doesn't have burst, but he moves super fluidly. Uh, he, uh, this might be sacrilegious to say, so prepare yourself, Tuck. Um, buckle up. Buckle up, but he really reminds me in the in his movements, not in his game necessarily, but the way that Steph Curry moves, the way that he moves very fluidly, uh, like gracefully, and even off ball, he moves in a very similar way to Steph. And he actually has a very long shooting motion in the way that Steph does. Steph has better footwork. I think he's obviously a smarter player in his three-point shooting. is not even I'm, the same universe. but Right, 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 right. But I do like this because I think this also brings up the fact we don't talk about Steph Curry's complete game nearly enough. No, no we're just like, man, he's such a good shooter. Da, 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 da. It's like, no, <laughs> man. What Steph Curry does and what the Warriors can do with Steph Curry as an off-ball cutter and mover and screener is what makes him so, so, so special. Like, not only is he the best shooter in the history of the game of basketball, but he is the best mover 
without the ball. Like he is so smart and good off the ball. And the Warriors can manipulate the floor with Steph off ball so well. And Nick Smith can do that. Uh, in the video breakdown that we're going to do, I'll walk through multiple clips where you see how good Nick Smith is and how smart he is cutting without the basketball. Um, so that's what I really like about him is you're not pigeonholed as like, oh man, Nick Smith just has a clear ceiling and it's not super high as an on-ball guy. And so, well, you know, that just means six man, you know, like right. hey, Jordan Clarkson. It's like, no, uh, you can play him at the two. You can run him off ball. You can run him in floppy. You can run him in like hammer actions. Like you can run a bunch of different stuff with Nick Smith off ball and and he's going to come through for you and be really effective in that role as well and allows for you to you know have a more free-flowing equitable offense that fits the style of offense that i think you and i both like which Mm -hmm. is the anti-heliocentric ball movement offense that's what i love and you know i'd rather stab myself in the eyes (laughs) <laughs> then watch Dallas Mavericks play basketball. Even though Luca's amazing, I hate that style of basketball. It's so boring. It's so boring. Right. And I we I brought up uh, the usage comparisons between Anthony Black and Nick Smith. You have to be such a cerebral and ready player if you're Nick Smith. For Eric Musselman to trust you to uh, – basically lead the offense completely uh, after, you know, sitting out the first sitting out four games, let alone the lead up to those all of September and October, all September, October. And then immediately you have a usage of 27%. Yeah. Yeah. That's how good Nick Smith is. He is very, very good. I think if you're going to have any concerns, like I mentioned, the long shooting motion, makes it a little bit more difficult to shoot off the dribble, but obviously Steph Curry's made that work, but it's harder to have. Here's when we get into shooting mechanics and everyone has their preferences and things like that, everything comes with an issue. Mm -hmm. A longer shooting mechanic means it's harder to have a repeatable motion because there's just more things that can go wrong. It takes longer to get off but it allows for you to get in a little bit more rhythm uh, and it's a more fluid shot. Those are some benefits. There are some negatives. It's also easier to reach in and disrupt someone that has that. Uh, Now, Steph Curry, for example, has that long shooting motion, but he gets it off extremely quick. Whereas the opposite of that is someone like Clay Thompson. He does not dip the ball. He does not try to get into rhythm. Dip meaning catch the ball in the shooting pocket, drop the ball back back down to get rid of them, and then fire. Clay Thompson is catching it, immediately getting it in the shooting pocket and firing. He does dip from time to time, but primarily he is getting in the shooting pocket and he's firing in I mean, rhythm. I, and, I mean, this is a this is a hometown take, but look at Jeremy Grant when he catches the ball in yes, his face. Totally, he doesn't dip totally. the ball below his chin. But that's something he worked on for a really long time. He wasn't someone that was capable of doing that. And it takes a lot of strength and commitment and but when you do it it means a guy that's very close to you and closing out on you you can still get that off cleanly because the release is so quick Mm -hmm. Um, so that's just something with nick smith that we'll see i believe that he's a good three-point shooter 
we just weren't able to see it in the few games that he played. So it's hard to be like, hey, yeah, this guy's going to be a 40% three-point shooter. Because who knows? I, I don't know. You can't really, really tell. Um, as far as Nick off the ball, like we said, great cutter. I think he's a good defender. My biggest concern is can he get downhill and cause separation athletically? I think he can cause some separation with his handle, um, but is he going to be able to create that separation in athletically and get to the rim i think we saw over and over again in that oklahoma game he wasn't able to necessarily and so what he did was go to the floater and those uh few games that he did play he was only able to get to the rim and take shots at the rim 20 percent of the time but he has a good layup package when he gets there like he's a good finisher when he gets there i, um, I think he's doing like 73 percent at the rim so you don't have to worry about that part of the athleticism it's getting there I'm I'm curious how much, how much of him not able to get to the rim do you think it could be knee concerns? Like, that could be some of that. I think it's that. I think it's spacing. Um, so we'll see. You know, uh, maybe maybe he is able to get to the rim a little bit more. Um, you know, when we see this too, like man, people that are super athletic, uh, can't get to the rim too. Like. Anthony Simons, I know we're going to reference the Blazers a lot, but like <laughs> Anthony Simons can't is one of the best athletes theoretically in the league, and that dunk, dude dunk really contest phenom, yeah, and and does not get to the rim. Like just because you're a freak athlete does not mean you get to the rim. It doesn't. Yeah. Um, so. Where where do you have Nick Smith? Where do you have him in relationship to the other guards? Uh, yeah, I've got Nick Smith as my sixth overall pick, and I have him as my third guard uh, behind Scoot Henderson and Keontae George. So, and you know, so you I, have you have him ahead of Amen? No, Amen's three. I guess I have Amen as like a wing more than okay, a, okay, a, okay. So okay. yeah, that's that's how. But I have him right ahead of Jarris Walker and Cam Whitmore. Okay. And that moved up for me. Uh, I had him, I believe, eighth or ninth um, last week. And then after watching more film and stuff like that, I felt fairly comfortable moving him up um, ahead of those guys because I just think that what he does on the offensive end is just more valuable. Yeah. I. But again, he's a hard scout because you just, there's not much film to watch. Right. Yeah. And like, it's hard. I I have it. I have him dipped at eighth. I had him, you know, back in November. I had him as the fourth guy. Like yeah. I had him as the first college player because I legitimately bought in. Uh, yeah. Everything. Every. Every. Like I saw like two or three games of his in high school, and I was like, oh, this dude is special. This and dude is ridiculous. Like when when everybody was doing and talking about Arkansas being like, can they really do it all? I'm like, well, forget can Anthony Black do this or that, or forget if Jordan Walsh can do this and that. They have Nick Smith, man. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. So those are our. Th where do you where do you want Nick Smith to go? All right, let's let's hit the old tankathon, sim the lottery. Congrats to Houston again, you've won it. Washington's moved to number two. So I think Nick can probably go anywhere from four to uh, at latest ten. Yeah, 
So in between there, it's Toronto, it's Detroit, it's Charlotte, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Atlanta, and then Utah. Give me Nick Smith on the Raptors, dude. That would be fun. Nick Smith on the Raptors would be fun. I actually think he would be really I, – I would like to see him in San Antonio just because – Whoa, 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 whoa. I got so much shit for wishing, wishing Victor Wembanyama in San Antonio. You you want, yeah, you want Nick Smith to go to San Antonio? Well, it's more so just like I trust Popovich to know how to use him properly and like – it's going to take some time to build. Whereas, like, I want to see Wemby in a cool situation right now. Like, Weminyama can affect winning next year. Yeah. Whereas Nick Smith is not going to do that. So yeah. I think Nick Smith is, like, a building block for San Antonio would be really fun and, like, a great situation for him. Uh, you know, I don't think... I it's... guess you could try to talk me into Charlotte. Detroit doesn't make sense. Charlie could be uh, cool if they don't get, you know, if they don't win the Scoot Henderson secondary prize. Um, yeah, because he can play off ball with LaMelo. And LaMelo's right. such a great passer that that could that be, be fun. But, favorite. like, outside of, like, out, outside of LaMelo and kind of Mark Williams, they literally don't have, like, like, any building blocks. And, like, we're not there yet with Mark Williams to be like, yep, He's like a piece. We're not even there with Mark Williams to let Charlotte play him, apparently. So Yeah, I know. Um, He's still off and on. I liked Mark coming into the draft. I still have faith in him. But uh, we got a long way to go before we're ready to say, hey, he's like a building block piece for Charlotte. He would Um, not. He would absolutely be perfect for Orlando, right? Yeah, it would be really, it'd be really fun. But they, it's Orlando is such a weird roster, man. Yeah, they need to make moves, and they need to they they, they need, need to they need to dedicate they need to dedicate themselves to like the center position and the off ball guard position, and they, figure out are you playing three centers at once or are you going yeah. to let Franz be a small forward? Yeah, like you got to make a decision on Jonathan Isaac. You got to make like I think you need to get just try and get rid of Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, and like the only guard that you keep is Jalen Suggs. Like for me, the only players that you keep around are Jalen, Paolo, obviously Franz Wagner, and then you got to make a decision between Wendell Carter and Bull Bull. Figure out what the hell you're doing there, um, and. Where's Mo Bamba right now? <laughs> Where's Mo and Bamba? Like, what the hell you're doing with Mo Bamba? Like that roster is so confusing. There's like a lot of potential there. I don't hate all of those guys, and a lot of them have value. They just literally don't make sense together. But if you were to tell me that it was a roster of like Nick Smith, Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, Paolo Bancaro, and Wendell Carter. That's sick. That's dude. fun. That's, that's really sick. fun. And that's like a good basketball. That's a good young basketball team. Bull, Bull as a six man would be really fun. I think. Bull, yeah. I think and that's then like Bull, the Bull coming off, coming off the bench and playing like either the four or the five and providing rim protection and stuff like that. Okay. Now we're, now we're talking, but like, there's a lot of pieces that they need to move on from um, before I'm ready to be like, yep. Send Nick Smith there. 
Thinking more about the San Antonio Spurs, it'd be really funny for them to have Blake Wesley and Nick Smith at the same time. Just like, Why is that? Just Nick Smith kind of reminds me of Blake on offense. Interesting. Okay. Like he's he's more he's a better athlete, but that kind of like I can I can create my own shot kind of thing is kind of it's kind of reminiscent to me. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I, I think San Antonio just because they are a fairly blank slate. Oh, oh, yeah. don't make, don't don't take yeah. that as me thinking like, oh, you already have Blake Wesley. Why would you get Nick Smith? I don't mean. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not thinking that. Yeah. yeah, San Antonio will be really interesting to see what they do, especially because going forward they're going to have those Hawks first rounders. So. Yeah, yeah, it's is. shocking that they don't have Atlanta's first rounder this year. Yeah, huh. doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't know how that. I'd I think, have, to, have to go back in and look at all the. I, I imagine. Years. I imagine this is like the class that everybody was like, "No, you got to hold on to your lottery ticket," you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I I think those would be two fun options. You could talk. Uh, I mean, again, Utah is just another one of those that. Makes sense. Even even the Pelicans, man. Yeah, the Pelicans make a lot of sense, actually. But but uh, also, I just have a hard time imagining. Well, I think the Lakers are going to stay in between like twelve and like sixteen in the league. So it's hard to imagine them jumping up into the top four, and then I don't think the Pelicans take him at number four. So I don't really see him as a viable option for the Pelicans. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't really see that either. Well, that was our dive into the prospect pool in the great Fayetteville, Arkansas uh, area. Folks, please remember to subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends, share us wherever you can. We're building out this thing. I think it's going to be really fun. We have a visual component coming. Find us on YouTube. Hello, Hoop World. We're going to have a link in the description of this episode. First video series, as Austin mentioned earlier in the pod, we're breaking down Nick Smith in that Oklahoma game and, and more. Just looking at him as a player and, and what he, he excels at. Uh, we also sat down with co-director of Under Armour Future, uh, the Under Armour Association Arise Coordinator, D. Coleman, gave us some great insight on some guys that we've been fascinated with. We talked to him about some Kentucky and Alabama fellas. A lot of great stuff coming your way. Thank you for listening. Talk to you later. Bye.